everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Um, this is a weekly broadcast put on by SPED Homeschool, and we are here to empower parents to homeschool their children with specialized educational needs. And so every week we come on live with a very special guest, just like we have tonight, and we talk about different subjects. And tonight we have Mira Dieters, I'm going to say that correctly, um, and she is going to talk to us about home strategies for autism language development. So welcome, Mira. I am so excited to have you here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And like Peggy, like Peggy mentioned, I'm a speech-language pathologist, and I specialize in working with autistic children. Yes, and that is our theme this month is autism. Because it's Autism Awareness Month, we wanted to focus all of our broadcasts this month on topics that focus around teaching children on the autism spectrum. So um, so we're going to dive into that in just a moment. But I do want to thank Home Life Academy for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We'll hear a little bit more about them about halfway through this broadcast. But I just want to thank them for um, for sponsoring this episode and also for being a partner as well as Mira, you're a partner with with us at sped homeschool too so um we appreciate that and um just for us being able to share your resources with parents on our website and um so as we get started i would just love for you to introduce yourself to our audience um tell them a little bit about yourself and i know you have a lot of credentials behind your name which i don't even know what they mean so if you want to explain that that would be great sure sure so like peggy mentioned my name is mira Beavers. i'm a speech language pathologist and the name of my company is super speech solutions llc and um i am I, like I said, I am, uh, I specialize in working with autistic children. So I do have a credential for that, which is called ACAS. So if you see those fancy sounding letters, all it means is advanced um, child autism specialist. So it means that I have an advanced, I'm sorry, advanced certification in autism. So okay. that's essentially what that means. And the BCTS before that is board certified telepractice specialist which essentially means that i also specialize in doing online therapy as well very cool so yeah i've got your website up down below and if you're listening on the podcast which we put out on sunday after this live broadcast it's superspeechsolutions.com so just definitely want to point people there and um, we'll talk more at the end of the broadcast too about some things you have coming up and and other services that you have for families to look into so um and if you're watching live i see we have um, quite a few um, people watching live right now just know that you can be part of this conversation by just putting comments in the feed it, with whether you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook, or on Periscope. And we would love to make your comments and questions part of our conversation as well. That's why we do this live. So um, so as we get started, um, Mira, I would just love for you to tell us um, just what are some areas that a speech-language pathologist um, can help in working with autistic children? So first of all, I'm glad we're talking about that because I think there are more areas than most people know, you know, right. know of in Probably general that we can help with. <laughs> <laughs> so there are actually three main areas and I'd like to go through each one specifically. Sure. The first one Great. is actually speech. So by speech, 
We just mean the way we actually talk. So that refers mm. to the pronunciation of sounds. Okay. The second one is language. But the interesting thing is even with language, it can be subdivided into different areas. So I'd like to talk mm. about each of the three different areas yes, to please. explain exactly what each of them are. So if we're talking about language, there can be the expressive piece of language, mm -hmm. which refers to how well someone can communicate using words. However, I would also like to point out that a lot of communication happens non-verbally. So just because a child is not using words does not mean that they're not communicating with you. In fact, they might be communicating even point. more than you think. So uh -huh. could be verbal or non-verbal communication. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a whole area of receptive language, which again is just a fancy way of saying how well a child or anyone really for that matter of any age understands language, meaning can they follow directions? Can they answer questions? How do they do with what is coming into them auditorily that they're hearing? Okay. And then the last area is called pragmatics or that's social skills. So because autism is such a wide spectrum disorder, as we know, there can be a lot of different areas to work on, but for children who are very, very high functioning with autism, or even those who are not, they often have trouble with their social skills. So that could be something like having trouble staying on topic or just having trouble reading listeners' cues. So knowing that someone might not understand what they're saying, there might be trouble, might be troublesome for them to rephrase what they mean, you know, rephrase what they're right. trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's also, I forgot to mention, there's also the area of feeding, which is the third one that's separate hmm. from speech and language. So feeding is a really interesting area. It's actually something I've even learned something, you know, more about recently. And the whole area of feeding, you know, we think a lot of children who have autism or autistic children are quote unquote, very picky eaters. That's a very mm. common label that we hear. Well, really, first of all, I would just like to say that I came across the term food explorers recently, and I definitely huh. prefer that term. I, I think it's more fun, yeah. looks at it in a more positive <laughs> light. But the main right. thing with autistic children is that they have sensory difficulties. Mm -hmm. And by sensory difficulties, I mean that, for example, if they're in a store like HEB and it's really loud, they just can't handle all the noise. And they might mm -hmm. actually need headphones like I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Um, or they might just really get overstimulated when they have a lot of things in front of them. Like if there's just mm -hmm. too much in front of them visually, that might be something to have trouble with. Now, in the case of food, what I mean by having trouble with eating in relation to having sensory difficulties is that an autistic child may only eat foods that have a certain kind of texture. They may only like dry foods. They may only like you know, they may only like crunchy foods. It mm -hmm. might be very specific in, in case of that. So like I said, it can be because, you know, they might not like how something looks. They might not like how something tastes. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you're introducing a new food to them, it really doesn't usually go well. And why is that? That's because they're not given time to just touch it and play with it. They're expected to eat it right away. Guess what? I don't want to try a new food if it's thrown at me either. So can right. I blame them? Nope. Not at yeah. all. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so true. Yes, I have one of those. And um, and now his sensitive palate at age 22 is mm -hmm. appreciated. But, mm -hmm. you know, getting through that, all of the the experiences and trying to, and we really noticed his speech was affected mm -hmm. by the sensory issues in his mouth, which mm -hmm. um, 
mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't usually connect those as a, as a parent. And especially when my kids were, I mean, they're in their twenties now, all the stuff that's come out in the last, what, 18 years um, has, has been profound and helpful for parents for sure. So, um, so, you know, we talk about speech and language difficulties. Um, what are the most common? I know you, you talked about um, definitely the, the feeding, the sensory things. What else should parents be aware of as far as um, what can affect their child's speech and language when they're on the spectrum? Sure. So in terms of speech, it generally means that you may have difficulty understanding what the child is saying. So typically, by the time a child is four or five, you should be able to understand everything they're saying. So really, if you're not able to understand everything they're saying, oftentimes that in general can be a red flag to refer to a speech therapist, which Mm -hmm. is mm -hmm, exactly. So in this case, like I said, you know, it might have to do with the production of certain sounds. So I would say the Mm -hmm. most common sounds that children in general across the board have trouble with are S. Z and R. So with S and Z, a lot of times children will bring their tongue forward. So a lot of times people will call that a frontal lisp. Hmm. Their tongue is coming too far out. Or they can be something called a lateral lisp, which is essentially where your S and Z sort of sound a little bit more slushy because the airflow is going out sideways instead of going forwards. And then, of course, with R, R is just a very tricky sound for children in general. Mm -hmm. So R is just, there are 21 different kinds of R. I mean, how can you get all of those right? Oh, my goodness. And thankfully, we don't do the Spanish rolled R. (laughs) Exactly, right? That's the double R. That doesn't even exist. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know we avoided, like, teaching Spanish to our kids because my one son just had difficulties with R's. And I'm like, what language, foreign language, can we learn that doesn't have R's in it? So we started Chinese. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's hard. Wow. It's hard, but there's no R's there. Okay. (laughs) Hard, but easier in that sense. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, yes. So is there anything else as far as what? So in terms of language, I would say, you know, in general, it can be having difficulty with, like I was saying before, you know, expression. So maybe a child Mm. is, for example, using one word at a time and they should be using a full sentence. Or maybe they're putting two words together, they should be using a full sentence. Mm. Or maybe they're not using words at all, and you want them to start using one word at a time to communicate. So, there, of course, there can be various different levels in terms of expression. Mm. Or, you know, expression could be something like not being able to follow a two-step direction. So, for example, if I say, Peggy, touch your nose and raise your hand, and I just see that you're touching your nose, but you mm. didn't raise your hand. So then you're just following the one step instead of the both, you know, two step direction. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Talked or with that. the last one, like I was saying before, trouble with social skills. So just mm. knowing that you need to introduce the topic. What mm. happens a lot of times with autistic children is they may just launch into talking about something. Right. And there's one boy yes. I work with right now. I love working with him, but man, he thinks Miss Mira must know everything about video games because <laughs> I don't know names of video games, but he'll start launching into the topic. And I have to tell myself, okay, I think he's talking about a video game, but let me right. back up and ask him. So that's a good example of not introducing the topic. So it's difficult for him to know to say, okay, I'd like to tell you about games such and such. It's a video game that I enjoy playing. He'll just start talking about the game, kind of almost like assuming that your listener knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's yeah, it's hard. I, I tutored a young young man and and he would talk about YouTube channels. And I was like, um, I don't watch all these YouTube channels. Here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. But it, yeah, totally get that. And so um, yeah, that's a good thing to point out too. And 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 good to to help our children with um, when we see mm-hmm. those things coming up instead of just filling in the, the gaps for them. Cause I think we do that a lot as parents and we, we have sure. these accommodations that we just naturally do because we've dealt with this for so long and mm-hmm. to, to point them out as, Oh, I am accommodating this child and they need to learn that, you know, these are something that strangers and, uh, you know, people that they don't know are going to have to, uh, to fill in. So mm-hmm. that's a good point. So, so what are some strategies or techniques for helping, um, children learn that are on the spectrum? That's, I think, really, really important information. So first of all, I would like to say that with autistic children, repetition is very key. But repetition by itself is one thing. And the second thing that comes with that is repeating it in different ways. So what I mean by that is, for example, you can give a two-step direction just by telling a child what to do. Raise your hand, touch your nose. Now I've given the direction. But if I show them what I would like them to do and I give visual cues, for example, because let's say they have trouble with following directions, then I'm showing them visually what I'd like them to do, but I'm also telling them what I'd like them to do. So therefore, I am approaching it in different modalities. So I'm showing it in different ways. I'm using their sense of you know, hearing, but I'm also using their sense of, of vision or of looking in that case. So it's almost like repetition, but on different modes to get their right. yeah, to get them to interact with that. And another thing that I think is hard for all of us, including for myself, and I feel like I've really thought about this more recently when I was doing a training a couple of months ago. So I did a training in DRI slash floor time, which was a really interesting training. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, a lot of I found I'm finding out now that a lot of parents who have children who are on the spectrum or autistic children actually are looking for therapists, credit to them who have this specific training in this area. So there are a couple of things I learned from that training, but one of the main ones that I would like to, I would like to highlight here is giving the child enough time to process. That is one I'm so guilty of not doing myself. I might Mm -hmm. tell a child so, so much, And I just expect, oh my gosh, of course, I don't need to give them much time. I haven't really thought about, but I would say the rule of thumb is to give a child at least five seconds or longer Hmm. to process what you're asking them to do. And of course, at that point, you see that they're not sure what you want them to do, you can repeat it. Right. But also try to keep it simple. Don't give 10 words when they're communicating to you generally in five words. So again, another rule of thumb is to use the same amount of words or one more word than they actually use in daily conversation. So an example of that is if I'm a child who's using three words, then whoever wants to communicate with me effectively, whether it's a teacher, a caregiver, anyone in my family, doesn't matter who we're talking about, they should use three to four words when talking to me. But I can tell you again, even as a professional, I'm guilty of giving 20 words. And expecting the child knows what I want them to do. Well, it just sailed over their head. They don't know what I want them to do anymore. And then I wonder why they look at me confused. 
Right, oh, exactly. They didn't follow what I said. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, we, we think we're going at a slow pace, but we, we forget that their pace is the pace we need to go at, not ours. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you think of the tortoise and the hare, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, so the tortoise true. is the key animal we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Yes, yeah. patience yeah. is a virtue. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we have um, on our website right now, it's bedhomeschool.com, that one of the featured um, articles we have on there is on the DIR method. So, oh, um, nice. So that is something that you brought that up, but um, that's because we're, we're focusing on all of the, the older articles we have on our website. And that was one that was published a while ago. So, um, so if parents don't know what that is, um, that'll give you some little bits of heads up on, on how to use that when you homeschool too. And the last thing I wanted to mention is just to have fun, try to follow yeah. the child's lead. And try not to put your interest into what they want to talk about. Like I said, I have tried this and it never works that well. Yeah, so now I follow the child's lead. I just mean to go with what they're interested in. So whether it's mm-hmm. a pig, whether it's Transformers, whether it's Play-Doh, you know, every child is going to be different, but you really have to know what they like. That's so true. Work with right mm-hmm. now. And for the longest time, we would talk about dinosaurs every single week. But hey, he loved to talk about dinosaurs. Not a problem. Mm. So I learned a lot of names of dinosaurs, and I still don't know all their names. And I still <laughs> hear about them. <laughs> a lot of good information, though, I'm telling you. Yes, yeah. Well, and that's a great advantage for parents, because we know our kids. We know what their mm-hmm. events are and their interests. And we can really mm-hmm. focus a lot of learning around those by, mm-hmm. by knowing that versus somebody that is, you know, interacting with their child as a teacher or a therapist and, and mm-hmm. also to be able as a parent to inform um, the other people working with our child on what those mm-hmm. interests are. That can be extremely helpful as well. Yes, that's definitely very important information. It's actually a question I like to ask parents when I know that I'm going to start working with their child. Very, mm-hmm. very important information. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So, so those are, are some great um, points that you've made about just techniques and, and helping kids on the spectrum, because I think we, um, we tend to just get, get focused on, you know, what, what we're doing, but, um, but it's, it's good to hear that, that sometimes just what we do in homeschool um, is, mm-hmm. is, um, is, works but but i love that that waiting that um, processing time that's that's definitely something i think we're all guilty of even as parents mm-hmm. when we're not even trying to teach we're just trying to you know communicate right <laughs> in our homes right and, and we want to get those shoes on get the kids out the door and we think they're being disobedient and yet they're mm-hmm. like what is going on <laughs> mm-hmm. too much is happening right now yes right exactly so um so I guess my next question is, um, how can these difficulties affect our children um, and their ability to relate with others? Yeah, I think that's really important. Talked about it a little bit as, as a therapist, but mm-hmm. um, you know, they have a lot of other people that they interact with and and how can parents even perceive, I guess, if those interactions are happening, that there might be mm-hmm. even some struggles going on. Sure. So a big one I see for autistic children is that they may be confused about what directions they're getting in the classroom, what expectations Mm. there are. What is it that they're supposed to be doing sometimes Mm. can be confusing for them. And like I was saying before, with the multiple step directions, 
it tends to be easier if you break it down step by step and you mm. give gestures and you repeat. All of those things tend to be classroom accommodations that can be helpful. But mm. I would say in general, they don't really understand what they're supposed to be doing. It can look mm. like that in terms of the you know decreased understanding. It might be that they have trouble expressing themselves. You know, maybe they can Maybe they have a really big vocabulary, but it's really difficult for them to say, I want to go to the bathroom, for example. Mm -hmm. So they may have a lot of vocabulary, but they may not have much functional communication in terms of might be difficult for them to express their wants or needs. Or sometimes they're able to do that, but then they may not be able to express a more complex idea like I'm mad and then tell you why they're mad. Right. Yep. Mm hmm. Yeah, we had, uh, when our kids were younger, I was just talking about this in a conference I spoke at last night. Um, mm -hmm. When our kids would start fighting with each other, they didn't know how to say to one another, um, I'm this this conversation really needs to come to an end and I want my I want an out. You know, just like mm -hmm. as an adult, you would say, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm walking away right now. Um, mm -hmm. And so we just called it stop rule. And mm. so those two words, and they knew what it meant, and they could use it effectively in mm. that, the heat of the moment. So mm -hmm. almost giving your kids those um, those little tag words that mm -hmm. can communicate a whole lot more, but in a few short words. And I'm sure even for like nonverbal kids, even just like, you know, a hand motion or something mm -hmm. could mm -hmm. communicate a lot. I love that you brought that up, that you actually came up with one at home. That's amazing. I love that you came up with something the kids would understand, and then they knew what it mm -hmm. meant, and they knew they had to comply with that. Yeah, yeah. It made it a whole lot easier because I had two boys that fought a lot. <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah. <laughs> way to get around that. <laughs> so now they're each other's best friends, but... <laughs> Not, not before. So, um, so yeah. So is, what about, um, you know, like relating to, to outside people like extended family and, and other things like that? Sure. I think else? sometimes that can be difficult in terms of when you don't really have a lot of complex language, it can be difficult to yeah. even start a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about it. And I think it's even harder with people you don't see very often or new people, I would say. I think it can be harder to make friends. It might be harder to relate to same age peers. They don't have the same interests. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of things that can go in with social skills. I mean, I think, right. you know, a child's level of comfort with their parents or even let's say grandparents or, or you know, siblings they might see on a regular basis and be very different than people they don't really know too well. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on like social stories and things like that mm -hmm. for those um, those relational situations? I think social stories are really important. And I think those especially come in handy when there are changes, unanticipated changes, I would mm. say in a routine. Okay. And I think that is really, really important when you look at something we're not expecting to happen. Like, for example, the freeze we had two months ago, and you want to explain what happened with the freeze? Like, why do we not have power at home? Why do we not have water? You can totally write a social story for that. And a social story is just constructing simple sentences, you know, whatever, whatever number of words your child is at could be three, four word sentences, mm -hmm. but also making sure that it has accompanied pictures. And okay. these are things that you can find online or you can definitely make your own either mm -hmm. way. But 
it can be very helpful and beneficial to show those to children so that they understand what's actually going on and explaining yeah. to them in their level in simple, simple language. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you keep bringing up that, you know, the the amount of words that that they can understand. And that is that's so important. I, I've never heard that until we talk tonight. And I, I think that needs to be said over and over again, just like you're saying it, because mm -hmm. as a parent, we we, you know, we get curriculum, we get all these things, but um, as a way to modify and accommodate for our child, we need to mm -hmm. really pare this down in, mm -hmm. in a way. And I think that's just a super easy, um, just rule of thumb to follow. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, so we've got this much going, coming in and this much, you know, this much is coming out of our child. This much can come in too. And, and maybe pushing it just a little bit more. Um, but, but I, I love that. And, um, I hope our parents walk away with, with that. Um, because I think, um, yes, <laughs> that's just a great rule of thumb. It's really difficult to be cognizant of that. I can tell you that I actually myself thought about it a lot more when I was doing my two classes for DRI floor time and I did get the basic certification, but that was actually something that we had to show videos of a particular child that we were working with and we would actually get critiqued on our mm. own wow <laughs> on our own language so i can tell you i was getting dinged for that which doesn't surprise me because as a speech therapist i love to talk so <laughs> i definitely had to learn that one but i can understand how it's so much you know how it's so very useful and i can actually see quite a bit of change and the children that I've been working with who are autistic actually now mm. I've been seeing some of them for a while but I can see that when they're given enough wait time and when they're given less words they actually open up more they open up mm. you know more in terms of communication they initiate more and typically decreased initiation of communication is something you see across the board hmm. but it's really really fascinating because I see it so much more now with these kids that I'm I've been seeing for a while and it just, it's a game changer. I can't say enough about that one. Wow. That's, that's awesome that, that you're seeing that much difference and mm -hmm. um, appreciate you sharing that with our audience. Um, so we are at about halfway through. So I'm going to give you a little break off the screen and we're going to hear from our sponsor, Home Life Academy. And, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some specifics for strategies that uh, Mira has for us. And so um, so you definitely don't want to go away. And so, so Mira, I'll give you just a quick break and and then we'll come back and talk about those, those strategies that you have. So um, I just want to thank Home Life Academy for um, sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And I want to tell you a little bit about them. So um, Home Life Academy is a non-traditional K-12 private school that provides full service and support to homeschooling families. HLA offers real flexibility to um, students and their special needs counselors work closely with parents to choose curriculum to work through learning differences and successfully complete their high school requirements through a modified pass that offer high school diplomas or certifications of completion. HLA can offer families to um, 
special needs advocates or special needs consultants through their homeschool care foundation. Um, through these programs, homeschooling families can get IEP assistance, assessments, and support they need to inspire and equip families on their journey. For more information, you can visit them at homelifeacademy.com or you can email them at info at homelifeacademy.com. So um, thank you, HLA, um, Home Life Academy, for sponsoring again this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We appreciate all that you do to help families who, who need that little extra bit of help um, and have somebody to walk alongside them to, to help them with their homeschool journey. And, um, and so we're going to bring uh, Mir back and we're going to continue talking about home strategies for autism language development. And uh, welcome back, Mira. <laughs> and so, so we have um, dove into a lot of um, more on the, I guess, the, the technical side of um, just what parents should look at and why and how. But I'd really love to dive in now to some, some strategies that you have. Um, and so the meat and potatoes of, of how do we do this? And, and what are some helps that we have um, as parents? And, um, and, and really just, you know, how can we maybe, first of all, why is it important um, to... Um, or what what assistance can a, a speech language therapist offer parents who want to do some things at home, mm -hmm. and and then um, and how do you work together on those those things? I love that question. So first of all, I think that um, typically I would say that speech therapists see a child one to two times a week. Sometimes that's thirty minute sessions, forty five minute sessions, depending on you know, what the goals are, depending on how much trouble the child is having. But as the parents, of course, they're with the child all the time. So mm -hmm. one of the things we we're talking about before is that repetition is key. So with the children that I work with, I always want to be talking to the parent about how the child is doing at home. What can we do differently? What worked in therapy? What's working at home? What's not working at home? I mean, they are essentially right. my eyes and ears for what's mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then to be able to, to have that communication with the mm -hmm. therapist so that they can continue working on those things at home. Um, mm -hmm. And that I've, I've talked to other therapists in the past that have done both school and private therapy. And they said the one wonderful thing about private therapy is we have access to the parents. Um, Absolutely. I agree with that as do well. Not. And, mm -hmm. and that makes it really difficult because you really don't know what your child's done when they're in school therapy. So um, mm -hmm. great advantage True. to have a private therapist. So yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So now, one thing I actually wanted to show mm -hmm. was I have a visual aid here. So I'm trying to hold it all the way up yep. to the camera. So mm -hmm. this is what's called a visual token board. And essentially this one, as you see on the top says, I'm working towards now. It comes with a lot of different icons you can put on there. But for example, let's say that your child is working towards, okay, let's say that they're working towards wanting to go on the playground. Ah, that's a good one. Okay, <laughs> so essentially the top is working towards their reward. It might be iPad time, might be computer time, whatever it is that will really motivate them. So I actually use these during my speech therapy sessions. However, hmm. These can also be used at home. Parents can use them too. Yeah. So what I have here is that 
they're stars. So you can see there are a couple of different stars on here, but they're sticky mm -hmm. stars. There are five different stars they can earn. And I tell them at the beginning, they might read the statement. I might read them for, for them, might read it for them. So they know what they're working towards and they know they have to earn all five stars. Mm. They don't have all five stars. They don't get the reward. So it's a very gotcha. easy visual way to see, am I on target? Am I not? How many, and sometimes I'll ask yes. them, how many more stars do you need? Oh, look, there's one, there's two. Mm. You got one. We have four left. So. It's a constant way to reinforce the reward. And mm. it's also a really good way to give a lot of positive reinforcement for all the good yeah. things that they're doing. That, that's great. Yep, definitely. I love that. Then there's also this one here. And by the way, I got both of these on Amazon. I did not make them. So they're yeah. readily available. They were pretty cheap on Amazon. But this one is all about rules at home. So check mark, mm. you know, means these are rules you want them to follow. You know, for example, mm -hmm. the first one says communicate, being quiet, listening. And let's say hitting others, you put an X. Hey, that's something we uh, don't do. Okay. So yeah. again, it's a visual way for them to see the rules, but very simplified. Mm -hmm. You might give them a lot of words, but it may not make a sense. So then you can use something like this and boom, and it makes more sense. Right. Yes, exactly. Because you're using the words like you were talking about earlier, using the words and the pictures. Exactly. So that you're you're bringing both of those those inputs in at the same time and reinforcing mm -hmm. that. That's great. So I know um, that you um, wanted to share some other strategies with us. And um, so I mean, do parents need special training um, or is it something that that, you know, they can work with their therapist to to get to do these strategies or um, how is the best way for parents to, you know, to figure out? So I think technically both are true, but I think mm -hmm. number one is talking to the therapist. So whether that's a speech therapist, occupational therapist, physical therapist. There's generally some kind of home exercise program or something mm -hmm. that we mm -hmm. recommend that parents can work on with their child at home. So here, of course, we're talking about the case of speech therapy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, generally knowing, like I said, sometimes it's trial and error, figuring out what mm -hmm. works for a child. And sometimes that may take a while to figure out what works. But a lot of times, if you're in constant communication with the parent, you may get a better idea of what you can try in therapy, too. Or they, you know, you might have an idea of what worked and you might be able to tell them, hey, you know, this technique today works. So one that I really like to use with, I would say, especially with my children who are on the spectrum or my autistic children is using a timer. It's been oh, yes. really, really successful. So generally when I work with children, we do half an hour sessions. And to be honest, that's really because a lot of times they don't have a greater attention span than that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it can be hard to focus mm -hmm. for that long, really for a lot of people of various mm -hmm. ages. So what I would do is because our sessions were half an hour long, we knew that we were going to work together for 25 minutes. So I would actually set, mm -hmm. I would take out my iPhone and show them, hey, I'm setting a timer on my phone for, mm -hmm. let's say, 23 minutes, because I knew we had to build in two minutes for cleanup time, for example. Okay. Uh -huh. And so I would tell them, okay, so-and-so, username, so-and-so. Ms. Mira's setting a timer. I'll show them the countdown starts, then we put it away. But what happens is later on, after the time is up, you hear the timer going off. So mm -hmm. you hear it, but you can also see it. So instead of me having to tell them it's time to clean up, it's time to clean up, it's time to clean up. Mm. I have just, you know, the device has just kind of done that job. 
That's great. We can use that at home with our kids when they mm-hmm. um, they're doing their math lessons or reading lessons. Mm-hmm. It you know having that definite time that mm-hmm. you know that it's only going to last this long. It almost mm-hmm. you know it gives you that that ability to push through and and kids know mm-hmm. oh, this isn't going to last forever. Um, mm-hmm. And and then if you build in that reward system like you were just talking about, you mm-hmm. know. They know that if I do good, I'm also going to earn a reward instead of going, well, I've just got to count down the minutes until the time's up and then I'm done. <laughs> right. So, And even if you don't want to use an, you know, an iPhone timer, I would say is the simplest to use. But even if you want to use, you want to use something a little bit more fancy, you know, on Amazon, there are those timers you can buy where a little animal sound will go off. So the cow says moo at the end of the few minutes. <laughs> so if you want something a little bit more gimmicky because you think your child will buy into it more than you uh-huh. can spend a couple of bucks and get that on Amazon. I didn't even know those things existed. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty fun. <laughs> oh, I've got older kids. So all this has become new since <laughs> in mine. So, um, so anything I would say another one is to provide two to three choices. So Mm -hmm. if your child has trouble with answering questions, for example, so if you want to ask them, what did you do at school today? And you know that that's Mm -hmm. an answer they really have, you know, that's a question they really have difficulty answering. Mm -hmm. For example, of course, in that case, it would help to know what they did at school, but you might say, did you go outside? Did you ride Mm -hmm. your bike? Mm -hmm you know, and maybe give one more option. And then you can see, can they pick the right option? Because you already know what the correct answer is. Let's say if you talk to the teacher, then you already know what they did at school. So that's another way to build comprehension in a simple way, Mm. so that you're not expecting them to give what I call the free response, where you give them the question, they're expected to give them the answer. But at the same time, if you give them two choices, it's kind of a coin toss. It's mm. do they am I putting it in the first position or second position? Do they really know? But if you give three choices, mm-hmm. I wouldn't typically recommend more than three. I would say four tops. But again, you have to know your right. child and know how many will be appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like I said, if you give three, then you know, okay, hey, they're choosing the right answer because I'm giving now a third option and it's not just a 50 50 chance of right or wrong. It's not like asking a yes, no question. That, yeah, that's, that's good information. I, I think I did an interview maybe a year or two ago. Um, we were talking about AAC devices and that was their same advice was to mm-hmm. give them three options when you're trying to test for comprehension mm-hmm. and they were nonverbal. And mm-hmm. in that way you, it actually, the accuracy was incredibly good Mm-hmm. Um, when the student had that ability to choose from those three options. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you pointed that out because, yeah, they having a free answer, you know, I, you know, even my 24 year old, you know, he's like, meh, you know, it went okay, you know, and that, that's all you get. Right. You're not really <laughs> getting much. <laughs> it's like, maybe I need to do multiple choice with him too. <laughs> so, uh, but but yeah, that's a that's a great strategy. I love that. <laughs> but I would also say another one in general. And I know we talked about before is using visual aids. So recently, mm. there was a mom I had connected with on social media on Facebook who was asking me. So I know that my child can answer who, what, where questions. Which, mm. just for informational purposes, those are the first WH questions to come in strictly because they're more factual information. Right. But we know that the when and why questions Mm. revolve around more critical thinking. And so oftentimes Mm. those are the harder questions in terms of the acquisition of where they come in the development of learning how to answer questions. 
And so her question to me was, you know, my child, she was saying, she told me that her child is autistic and how can she work on building the comprehension for the when and why question? So my response to her was, is to make it fun and to, and I don't know if he's going to speech therapy because I don't think I particularly asked, but pretty much to make it fun and to also model and build it into the conversation. And so if he hears, you know, for example, if her daughter, let's say she has a daughter is asking her, when did you go to work today? And the mom is answering, I went to work this morning. That's another way to model. And it's not a way to drill. So I think what happens right. with older kids, and even with younger kids, if you really try to drill and you keep drilling questions, my gosh, that sounds boring even to me. So drill, <laughs> I think is the way to put people to sleep. So right. I think if you can model it appropriately, the other thing that I've tried working on, you know, in terms of answering those types of questions is, they have a lot of cool games that you can buy that actually there's bingo games you can find even online to work on WH questions. Again, you're more, the child is more concerned about getting five in a row. If you're doing blackout bingo, get the whole card covered. They don't realize that they're learning how to answer right. those questions. Yes, so, that's so true. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I showed her was a visual aid that I'd actually found online, which you know, has a picture and says who questions are about a person, you know, why questions involved because when's an increment of time. And so that was another visual aid. And it turns out in this case, she'd already seen it. But I like that it was strictly just a visual aid of talking about how to, you know, talking about how to answer each question, but it actually gave it to you in writing and was a visual representation as well. That's really cool. It, it it's amazing as you're talking, you know, there's just so much that has been created and developed if we just, you know, went out mm -hmm. and looked for it and mm -hmm. um, just to know what to look for is is great. So um, I think you, you've said that there's some useful iPad apps that you want to are. talk about too. There are. There are lots of them actually, but I can tell you which ones are my favorite. So yeah. I would say I have probably a top three. So in general, there's one called Word Vault. So not only do I like Word Vault because it was created by two speech language pathologists who are married, but also because it has a lot of information. So it has really a whole sequence of sounds you can work on for speech sounds. And also for language, it has so, so much you can work on. It has short stories hmm. where you can have the child read the story. They can answer the questions. This is really not an app that's specific for autistic children this is really something you could even work on if they have other siblings that just want to work on stuff with them too so what i like about that app is just the amount the sheer amount of information it has in one app even with language it breaks everything down into categories and so if you go to two-step directions for a child they could actually read the direction or you could read it to them and have them participate huh so i really like that one so what is it used for as far as um is it is it like an activity or it's an activity right okay. so based on the child's goals so let's say the child is working on the s sound i might show them pictures of the words that start with s or have s in the middle or okay. s at the end so they're producing mm -hmm. the word mm -hmm. but they're actually seeing the word on the screen so either i'm going to say it to them if they have trouble reading or they're not mm -hmm. at the reading level yet or they can read the word and then you can see how they can produce the sound spontaneously versus if they're mm -hmm. saying an imitation and I'm just saying it to them. But also with the language piece, there are a lot of pictures that I like. That's another thing I like about this app. 
So I think to get the pictures, I think you have to pay, I don't remember how much it is, I think $5.99 a month, or you can pay for the whole year, which is a little bit cheaper. I pay monthly. But it also has pictures, for example, with prepositions. So it has a picture of a girl, for example, behind a tree. So you can have them come up with a sentence. The girl is behind the tree. So it has the word behind, but it shows that, that the girl is behind something. So I like that it has pictures with the words. You can have them come up with a whole sentence or you can have them come up with the synonyms and antonyms. So there's a whole section where it has one, like it'll say add, and then they have to think, oh, the opposite is subtract. But it's cool because it'll have one and then the other one will pop up and they have to think of what that one is. So it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's like, it's a fun, it's a way to make it fun. Right. And so yeah. that's one of the things mm -hmm. I like about it too. And then, like I mentioned, it can also work on comprehension. So it has general WH questions. It has who questions, what, where, when, why, how, and you can actually click on each one and, you know, you can look at the question. It might be something like, when do you go to sleep? Mm. So I like that one because it doesn't have choices, but then there's a whole series of apps called autism. I help. So, the reason I like about that one is one, because it's specifically designed for children who have autism or autistic children. But that one, what I love about that app is it gives you multiple options. So if I'm on the WH question section, it might say who puts out fires, but then it has a picture. Typically it has four field of choices here. It has okay. a firefighter, police officer, a teacher, and maybe a lawyer. And then they have to click on the right answer. Okay. Yeah. So it's like multiple choice, but visual. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then there's also another one that I really like. Again, it's also a series. It's called Buddy Bear. That's typically, I would say, for younger kids, more like around the elementary level or even a little bit younger in some cases. But the Buddy Bear app, that whole series is actually a bear. His name is Buddy Bear. Mm -hmm. He has a little friend named Bonnie Bear, a girl as well, okay. who's featured in some of it. But it has, again, a field of three, three pictures. What is Buddy Bear playing with? And they show him with something. And so then they have to pick ball, sun, or bus, according to what they see in the picture. So in a way, it is kind of matching up the pictures, but I like that it makes it visual and they're not expected to produce the response by themselves. Right. But it's enough of a question because you're, you're like your example, you're using the word plane. So mm -hmm. it's not like something that's in the background or that they're sitting right. on. And so they have right. to interpret it in, at least in a little bit of a way mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. um, to be able to answer that question. So, so yeah. And that one has all of the WH questions, but then another thing I like about it is it also has buddy bear for categories too. And so it might, you might have to match what's, let's say there are flowers on the picture, then you have to choose the flower category, or it has, you know, two other choices that are not the right choices, but you have to figure out which one is the right answer. And it'll tell you, if you don't pick the right answer, they'll say, oh, something like, please try again. And then you try mm -hmm. again, and then they'll tell you when you got the right answer too. Okay. Yeah. Categorizing and um, linear thinking for some kids is extremely difficult. I know we, we have three foster foster kids on the, um, that have fetal alcohol. And that, that is a really difficult disability to, to mm -hmm. deal with, with sequencing. So I can see where that would even come in handy with, um, mm -hmm. with those types of kids. So, and they're difficult. Then there's another one that's called my school day. And that one is really interesting for specifically for targeting social skills. So what I like about that one is the child can actually watch a, a video. It's a very short video, okay. very short clip. Mm -hmm. And then they have to answer multiple choice questions about the video. It might be about how the child felt in the video, what was happening in the video. But I find that it's a very good 
way to teach social skills, like why you shouldn't, mm -hmm. for example, make fun of other children. And some of those, mm -hmm. you know, things that happen at school in the lunch, in the cafeteria or happen in the classroom. And that one actually um, can be for various ages. So I think it goes all the way from elementary school all the way up to, if I remember correctly, I think there's like a middle school, high school one as well. Okay, well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to train kids about social skills when they're watching it versus when they're involved in it you know it's like for sure it's <laughs> when it's mm -hmm. this is what you did wrong or this is you know how <laughs> how would you mm -hmm. interact with that in, instead of oh this is this other person and they're kind of removed from it so right so that's helpful and I've, i know i've seen that with other curriculums that it's very effective with kids on the spectrum because they they don't take it as personally and um they're kind exactly. of removed with the emotions and all that which is very important you don't mm -hmm. want to try to not let them take it personally, which can be hard, but yeah, definitely. Uh -huh. so. All right. Well, that, those are some great um, resources. I will have to get that list from you, and I'll uh, sure. and sure. I'll make sure to to put that in the the feed for the YouTube description too, so that um, parents can more easily find those. There's actually another one I wanted to mention. Now, this one is for younger kids, but it's one called First Phrases. But the one, the thing I like about this one in general is that it'll have the child repeat short phrases. So they're three up to four word phrases. But the thing I like about it is that at the end of each segment, you can actually have the child record themselves saying the words. Oh. And it also has a little video. It'll show you a picture of the cat kicking the ball or the child going down the slide. So I like that it has a little video, but I like that it also has the option of the child recording what they're saying. So that one would be mm -hmm. for younger kids or even for kids who are a little bit older who are not maybe using all the words together yet. So that's mm -hmm. another good one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember that those phones that you would get, do you still use that as um, where the kids speak in one side and then it goes into their ear so they can hear them? Oh, I see what you're talking about. I haven't <laughs> recently, but I know what you're talking about. I was going to say this, this app is probably the modern version of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also a fun one mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, kids used to love hearing themselves. I think every child likes to hear themselves talk. Exactly. So, so that's a and then you can play it back it. too. So you can record it and have them listen to it again, yeah. which is also fun. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Neat. Well, that, those are some great resources. So speaking of great resources, we're just about out of time. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about the resources that you have at um, Super Speech Solutions and also the camp that you have that's coming up this summer. <laughs> Sure. So this summer, for the first two weeks of June, I'm running a social skills summer camp. And the, uh, the flyer, I think, is probably going to be shown here in a second um, or maybe shown later. Yeah, I'm using a ticker with the, um, the URL. It's rather mm -hmm. long. So if okay. you want, want to get that, it was an easy click. Just come to the, the YouTube video and it'll be in the description that you can just click on it and go right there. Okay, perfect. So like Peggy was saying right now, she's showing the sign up link and it does say it's for ages six and up. However, I would say really it could be for children four and up as long as they're able to be without their mom or dad. The camp is running for an hour and a half each day. So it is for a total of two weeks. However, there is now an option for parents in terms of convenience to sign up for an individual day if that works out better. So. If you sign up for the whole week, you know, you can sign up for one full week, you could sign up for the two weeks, or you can sign up for each individual day 
And if you actually go to the link that's listed on there, you can actually go and put in your name, put in your child's name, and then I can also communicate with you via email phone if you have any questions about it. Really excited about it because it's definitely a good way, I think, for all of us to work on social skills. It is going to be an in-person camp. I say for all of us because um, I think COVID has left, you know, even people like myself feeling that they're kind of lacking in the social skills department. <laughs> um, but it's also a good way for children to get in some extra speech therapy during the summer because I know a lot of kids mm -hmm. only have speech therapy during the school year. Um, and since school will be out, we can also work on speech and language goals. So I would say even though the main focus is social skills, we can also work in other individual goals. And of course, I would talk to each parent individually prior to them signing their child up so that I know what it is they want me to work on. And mm. we have four slots open each day. However, if there is more interest, definitely we can make the camp a little bit bigger. We could go up to eight slots a day without a problem. So okay. Awesome. And you're located on the west side of Houston, Texas, right? Yes. Yeah, so the camp is actually going to be run in a park. And honestly, I don't have the name in front of me right this second, but I believe it's Bear Creek Pioneer Park. Hmm. And so it is, I can find the address. Okay. Just give me and if you go to the link, I'm sure the address is on there as well. So yes, yeah, we have uh, we have an international audience, so I just want to make sure that those people that are outside our area, um, that right? So this will be locally in Houston, but if you are in the city of Houston, it'll be running from nine to ten thirty a.m. June seventh through eleventh, June fourteenth through seventeenth, and the name of the place is Bear Creek Pioneers Park. It's at 1505 Clay Road, and that's all of the information. And like we said, it'll be posted on there. The sign-up link is there. And definitely if you have any questions, you know, you can ask me any questions through email or you can call me. I'm happy to answer any questions about the camp if you do have any. Very cool. And also um, on your website, you offer speech and language um, therapy. And yes. um, can you tell us a little bit about what people can find on your website, superspeechsolutions.com? Sure. So right now I am running online speech therapy sessions. However, starting at the beginning of June, we'll be starting to do home visits in the northwest part of Houston. Okay. So around the Eldridge North area and probably also Copperfield and the energy corridor area. So areas around that rough that proximity area mm -hmm. starting in June. So home visits will be a possibility by then as well. And they are individualized speech language sessions um, tailored to the goals of each specific child. And if someone has an evaluation that was done previously within the last six months to a year, that's definitely something I can look at. They wouldn't definitely need an evaluation right away at that point. If it's been long enough time, then I would recommend starting with an evaluation. So mm -hmm. it just depends. It's good to know. Yeah, great. Well, that's awesome, and that you're um, you're moving out, and you know everything with COVID is hopefully you know <laughs> be opening up, and yes. and that's great to hear for those kids that you know are, that do better with the one on one in person therapy. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. Speaking of COVID, I just wanted to mention that because it is an outdoor in person camp, we of course will be following all the precautions. I myself have both vaccinations, thankfully, already done. Uh, but we will be requiring everyone to wear a face mask um, or a face shield. I think a mask may be too hot just because it's going to be during summer. It's possibly a face shield. 
Um, but we will be, you know, using hand sanitizer as appropriate and mm -hmm. only taking the face mask or face shield off if we need to eat or drink. So I just want to reassure all the parents that we will be following all the precautions necessary. And actually being outdoors is supposed to be better as far as the yeah. virus goes from what we have heard from science as well, too. So that's also good news. Another good news is that it'll be the early part of the day before it gets really hot in Houston. So that's yes. also fun. <laughs> we all appreciate that because, you know, yes. by afternoon, we hide inside in our air conditioning. We're melting at that point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you, Mira, so much for, um, for joining us this week and just all that you had to share. This was really, really good information and especially for, for parents who are with their kids, um, and just some things that we can do at home, um, and just some encouragement for, for working with, um, uh, a therapist with your for your child um, definitely check out um, Mira's um, resources on her website and um, again that's at superspeechsolutions.com and I think you have a link for the camp on your website as well so yes I do way to find it for for people instead of having them look around so and I also want to thank um, Home Life Academy for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations we appreciate that and um, thank you for your support and um, so next week we're going to continue talking about autism and homeschooling and we're going to talk about um, I forgot to write down the name of my guest but um, I think it's Dr. Caldwell and we're going to be talking about teaching STEM um, subjects to your student on the spectrum. So um, that is just one of her passions. And so I'm excited to um, to dive into that and, and how to um, incorporate that into to your homeschooling with your child um, on the autism spectrum. So um, so definitely come back for that next week, same time, same place um, at, at eight o'clock central, um, whether you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook or Periscope. So um, so thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks again, Mira. It was a thank pleasure so to have you here. And um, thank you all that um, have joined us live. Um, you were a little quiet tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> we just appreciate you being here and being part of our audience. And we will see you all again next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>